Welcome to Crowdsourcing Revolution. I'm Amanda Rice. It is August 4th, 2023. And today is part eight of our series from the Citizen's Handbook, Ways to Approach Local Government. This is an article found on the same website, citizenshandbook.org. It's an article by Frank Benest, who was the city manager of Palo Alto, California, and wrote this article as part of a um, special insert in the ICMA, which is the International City County Management Association journal from 1996. So this is an older article. I do find it to have some extremely helpful points in it about the way that we look at local government. And it's written in the first person. So the I in this is Frank Benest. When I started my local government career over 30 years ago as a junior recreation leader, I knew what my job was. It was simple, straightforward job of delivering services to the community. If the job changed, an orderly process for implementing that change was explained and the adjustment was made. Now that I'm a city manager, however, I'm confused not only by the nature of my job, but about the very business of local government. This confusion stems from the incredibly different realities now facing cities and counties as we approach the third millennium. A brave new world. What does today's perplexing external environment look like? This brave new world has five characteristics. Problems facing local government are complex and difficult to solve. For example, no one can cite one definite cause of community violence or, for that matter, of poverty, neighborhood deterioration, or why Johnny cannot read. These types of contemporary problems are qualitatively more complex than the engineering issues once faced facing cities and suburbs as they grew up in decades past. No one agents, no one agent, number two. Number two, no one agency, including government, can solve the problems. No one agency can deal with family dysfunction or the loss of jobs. Every worthwhile effort requires collaboration and partnering among organizations, thus deepening the complexity. Moreover, even with collaboration, the best that can be expected is to effectively address, not to solve problems. Number three, local government does not have the financial resources to solve problems. Most local governments today are lucky if they have the funding simply to maintain current levels of core services. No one expects additional funding to address the social and economic problems confounding our communities. 
Of course, a major part of this fiscal dilemma is the shifting costs from federal to state, from federal and state government to local government, giving us the legal responsibility to address issues, but without adequate resources. Number four of the characteristics of this brave new world. Citizens have lost confidence in all institutions, including local government. In the past, people had less confidence in the federal and state government, but trusted local government because it was, quote, closer to the people. Disenchantment with all major institutions, particularly government, now affects local government as well. In fact, Chris Gates, president of the National Civic League, has observed people pre people's presumption of, quote, bad intent, unquote, on the part of elected officials undercuts their ability to exert leadership in solving community problems. And number five, the monopoly is dead. Local governments have believed traditionally that they had a monopoly on certain service areas. They are, however, discovering that people have a multiplicity of choices. Certainly, city and county recreation departments have long competed with boys and girls clubs, YMCAs and YWCAs, private health clubs, and other forms of privately provided leisure activities. But now, even in the area of public safety, localities no longer have monopoly control. Because public police agencies have priced themselves out of the market, businesses and organizations now hire private security services, which have seen phenomenal growth in the last decade. Local governments also compete in a marketplace as they attempt to retain and attract residents, businesses, shoppers, tourists, utilities and transit users, service customers, and arts patrons. Public agencies compete for people's cooperation and political support, whether that support involves complying with codes, conserving water, or paying higher trash fees. Realistically, local government cannot force people to do anything unless they are willing to comply. Because citizens are bombarded with communications from all sources, local governments must also vie for their attention. Cities and counties literally must compete on a daily basis for people's hearts and minds. Vending machine versus barn raising. To evaluate the future of local government, we will have to contrast two concepts of government, the vending machine versus barn raising. The vending machine, a metaphor articulated by Rick Cole, former mayor of Pasadena, California, is the traditional concept of government as a service provider. The vending machine is somewhat mysterious. People do not know precisely how it works. They drop in 25 cents in taxes or fees and expect the machine to dispense at least 25 cents in services. When the machine does not work to everyone's expectations, people start cussing at it and kicking it. Sound familiar? Now, we certainly, Certainly, we in government need to enhance customer service because we all perceive the need to be to improve the vending machine. Local government agencies in the United States and around the world are involved in initiatives to improve customer service, ranging from hiring customer customer sensitive employees, giving existing employees better training, streamlining procedures, 
cutting red tape, and recognizing customer service heroes and heroines as role models. In the community of Brea, California, for example, we take great pride in Brea customer care commitment. Even when the city does in fact provide excellent customer service, however, there is a fundamental problem. Ultimately, the vending machine model undermines people's confidence in and their allegiance to government. Local government becomes just another service provider among many. It is no longer special and can no longer demand the public's allegiance. Even more troublesome, the vending machine contributes to a passive consumerism. Localities demand nothing more than that the customers drop their quarters into the vending machine slot. Customers, as opposed to true citizens, only care about their needs and services they consume. They have no interest in the needs of others. In short, local governments have turned citizens into mere consumers. Finally, the vending machine is based on a deficit model. Localities assume that something is wrong with people or that they have some kind of deficit. By providing services, government tries to fix people. When teenagers run away from home, for example, government tries to fix them or their shelter or family counseling. If a neighborhood complains of graffiti or gangs, local government responds to this deficit with more police. As opposed to the vending machine idea, the barn raising concept, a metaphor developed by Daniel Kermans in Community and the Politics of Place, the barn raising concept suggests other possibilities for government. In an agrarian society, no one family can raise a barn, so they call on their neighbors from miles around. To raise the barn, someone hammers, another holds a ladder, and someone else helps bring the food. Everyone has his or her contribution to make. The barn raising approach promotes citizen responsibility as opposed to the passive consumption of services. When confronted with a problem, people do not ask, what is government going to do for us? Rather, they focus on what are we going to do? As opposed to the deficit model, barn raising is based on an asset model, as described in John McKnight's 1993 publication, Building Communities from the Inside Out, a path toward finding and mobilizing communities asset, a community's asset. To better use the assets of young people, for example, the city of Brea conducts Volunteens, a summer program that provides a small stipend to teenagers who deliver recreation and other organized programs to children, other teens, and seniors. The Volunteens program builds on the talents and energies of teenagers, not their problems. Likewise, I'll try... Uh, in trying to help families who live in poorer neighborhoods, a local government should try to recognize and take advantage of these residents' strong sense of family and support to, for each other, as shown by the mothers who look after each other's children in front of the apartment complexes. Governments should also, also should build on people's faith in religion and ties to church, 
should use the organizational abilities they exhibit when they organize block parties or fiestas, or otherwise should build on their sense of community. These are all tremendous assets. Four illustrative strategies. While local government will never abandon completely its service delivery or vending machine role, managers need to confront their brave new world with more collaborative problem-solving approaches. The barn raising concept encompasses many kinds of strategies. To illustrate the approach, let us review quickly four strategies that fit this model. The first is visioning, the second is developing community leadership. The third is working through mediating institutions and the fourth is empowering neighborhoods. One, visioning. Typically, local governments try two extreme approaches in, a dealing, in dealing with the community. At one extreme is the tell and sell mode which involves no real community participation at all. After local government agencies have made a decision, they try to sell it, often with little success and much negative reaction and mistrust in the decision-making process. At the other extreme of the continuum of community participation is the involvement of people in mundane technical planning, such as the update of a general plan element. At the beginning of the process, energized and motivated city council appointed residents and business people may attend monthly meetings. After six months of dealing with mind-numbing technical minutiae, however, everyone is bored and drops out. Visioning is a barn-raising strategy that truly engages people in expressing what they know best, their values, hopes, and fears. Once people have articulated their aspirations, the technical people can develop a plan or write the details of a program based on citizens' values and dreams. Brea has used a visioning process called Brea by Design, engaging 125 community designers in creating a vision for the new downtown. Based on the values and concerns raised by a cross-section of residents and business people, the city is redeveloping its downtown as everyone's second neighborhood with full support of the community. As urban planner Michael Doyle has asked, how can people act in the interest of the whole if it isn't well-defined, beautiful, and ennobling? Two, developing community leadership. In Iowa's 1995 general elections, no one filed to run for the office of mayor in 131 cities. 81 council seats in that same election attracted no candidates. Likewise, public officials in Southern California have long lamented that well-meaning, talented people are not stepping forward to take on leadership roles. In response to this leadership crisis, Brea and four other communities in North Orange County and Diamond Bar Ill of Los Angeles County joins forces to form the North Orange County Leadership Institute. 
Coordinated by the California State University at Fullerton, the nine-month program aims to identify, train, and energize potential community leaders who can take on leadership positions on school boards and city councils, as well as in PTAs, church groups, business associations, civic improvement committees of all kinds. The Institute has just graduated its first class of 25 community leaders. Without community leaders, local governments will have no one with whom to work. Leadership development must be a priority in building civic infrastructure and addressing intractable community problems. Number three, working through mediating institutions. As the survey results on confidence, as, as the survey results on confidence in institution indicates, People have greater trust in churches, schools, and voluntary civic organizations than in local government. Schools and rel religious institutions and, and other voluntary groups can mediate between government and the people. Given this potential mediating role, it makes sense for local government agencies to form partnerships with voluntary community organizations. A good example of such a partnership is the collaboration between the city redevelopment agencies and Habitat for Humanity, a nonprofit Christian ministry that helps low-income families build their own houses with community support. Redevelopment agencies often offer free land and Habitat for Humanity engages with churches, businesses, civic groups, and literally thousands of people in these home raisings. Through these relationships with mediating institutions, local government can solve problems, promote citizen responsibility, and build trust in the government partner. And lastly, number four, empowering neighborhoods. While people do not trust government, the survey on confidence in institutions suggests that citizens most trust people like themselves their friends, neighbors, and associates. Consequently, many local governments have focused on neighborhood empowerment strategies to solve difficult community problems. Some local governments have tried to co-locate different programs in neighborhood recreational center centers or storefronts and have established multi-departmental cross-functional strike teams to address neighborhood crime or blight. These efforts, however, are essentially new and improved models of the vending machine. A barn raising approach requires significant outreach and building rapport with individuals, families, and groups in a targeted neighborhood. In the process, local government identifies neighbors with special abilities, talents, energies, and other assets to contribute. Local government agencies support associations, or help form new groups and encourage existing or potential leaders to provide direction. Groups are then engaged in discussing concerns and approaches to neighborhood problems. Local government agencies are involved as catalysts or facilitators and commit resources. Neighborhood groups, however, are the critical actors. Building on residents' relationships with their neighbors, people are engaged in block parent cleanup and mentoring projects. Local governments also are helping neighborhood groups take back recreation areas from gangs and drug dealers. They even are providing these recaptured playgrounds 
as well as financial grants to neighborhood groups so they can start and schedule their own programs for children. To fully use the assets of local groups in different neighborhoods and to promote self-help and, and neighborhood to neighborhood cooperation, Hampton, Virginia has created a neighborhood resource bank. Under this program, which is coordinated by the city, neighborhoods can use the resource bank to combat their own local problems only if they replenish the bank with some talent, skill, or asset. Finally, neighborhoods need to look beyond their own interests. Chris Gates has talked about the need to overcome civic cocooning, the tendency of people who may be concerned about issues in their own neighborhood, but not in the one next door. Consequently, many local governments have organized periodic neighborhood congresses so that a larger perspective of the public good can be achieved. New functions for government leaders. How can elected officials, managers, and program staff solve problems, promote citizen responsibility, and regain people's confidence? Leaders must forego the temptation to identify and analyze community problems and then organize service programs. To promote a vital civic society, leaders must adopt some of the following roles. Educate, educate, educate. Create a new mission for local government. Convene stakeholder groups in creative ways to confront problems. Stimulate discussion on values, aspirations, and fears. Identify what local government can contribute. Forge collective action and build confidence. To promote vital civic society, leaders must adopt some of the following roles. The first is educate, educate, educate. If citizens do not confront the same brave new world as their local government officials, people will continue to assume that government can solve all their problems and thus will go on being disappointed. Consequently, leaders must educate people regarding new realities using many different opportunities, including state of the community addresses, newsletter articles, interviews, presentations to civic groups, and remarks at city council or board meetings. In the process, leaders must understand that educating is also learning. It is a two-way process. To engage in dialogue, not monologue, leaders must listen as well as talk. In the process, they revise their own perceptions of the brave new world. Leaders must also adopt a role of creating a new mission for the local government. The core business of localities is solving problems, not delivering services. Providing services is a good role for local government, but it is only one aspect of a total problem-solving approach that must engage citizens to be effective. Leaders must also convene stakeholder groups in creative ways to confront problems. Government leaders must avoid rescuing people. Rather than relieving people of their civic responsibilities, government leaders need to stimulate public discourse about concerns and to encourage brainstorming about alternative solutions. Creating strategies for engaging citizens in such discussions include visioning workshops, design competitions, charrettes, 
and problem-solving festivals. Leaders must also stimulate discussion on values, aspirations, and fears. Instead of discussing te- <clears throat> instead of discussing technical solutions, government officials must encourage people to articulate their values and envision possibilities for the future. Leaders must <clears throat> Leaders must also identify what local government can contribute in promoting problem solving with people as opposed to delivering services. The local government agency must also must contribute resources. These contributions might include expertise, skills, facilities, training programs, seed grants, and coordination. Leaders must also forge collective action. After helping to identify community concerns and stimulating public dialogue, government leaders must promote collective action. Everyone has civic responsibility. Everybody contributes in different ways. And finally, And finally, leaders must build confidence. Unfortunately, tearing down City Hall has become an acceptable way for local officials to pander to the citizens who distrust or feel disdain for government. If those who have been elected or appointed focus on government as the problem, government will lose its capacity to help solve problems. If officials empower people to and become their partners, however, citizens will regain their confidence in themselves and their government. The final section of this article from the Citizen's Handbook and the ICMA, which is the International City County Management Association, Rediscovering Citizens. Hang on, trash truck going by. Rediscovering citizenship. The future of local government lies in transforming passive consumers of public services into responsible citizens. Because of the complexity of the problems facing communities, many people sullenly withdraw from the political process and from their civic responsibilities. They make unrealistic demands on local government, ignoring any need for common sacrifices. Or they seek out heroic rescuers like Ross Perot or Colin Powell. Local government can help people rediscover their lost sense of responsible citizenship. Citizenship is not limited merely to voting in periodic elections. Even when individuals do not have a personal stake, active citizenship requires them to do four things. Inform themselves on key issues confronting their communities. Participate in civic improvement groups. Struggle to find common ground with others as well as advocate their private
become responsible for their local governments and their communities. Yes. Yes, local government faces a brave new world. Ultimately, cities and counties cannot govern and cannot solve complex problems if people are merely passive consumers. Local governments do have a vital future. However, if they can reconceptualize their role in engaging people as responsible citizens. Thank you for being here for crowdsourcing revolution. The next part of this series is going to be salons, study circles, and discussion groups, which is a collection of explanations of ways we can come together to talk about what's going on in our communities. We go live on call-in app at 10.30 a.m. Pacific time, most days of the week. I hope you have a great day today and go get involved.